0: Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Lindsey Chastain, thank you so much for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. I was so, I'm so excited for our time together. You're so accomplished in what you do, and I'm so honored that you would take time out of your schedule to to spend with us. As we talked about before we hit record, everybody has a story. and our passion is to help them tell it, just like yours is with your with your firm. Um, so with your permission, we're gonna start with where you were born, and we're gonna go all the way up to today and then talk about anything that you're working on for today and or tomorrow. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And here's what we know. We know that our listeners are going to connect with you about something having to do with your life story, something having to do with your with your company, right, your mission. And it's going to inspire and motivate them to do things that they've been putting off. So where, where were you born?
1: I was born in san antonio texas
0: oh i love san antonio
1: and i lived there for seven days (laughs) seven
0: days wow so not many memories right
1: no not many memories no um when i was five days old or no i guess it was when i was seven days old um my mother got a call she was a school teacher at the time Mm -hmm. and she got a call that her baby was ready for adoption and she dropped everything (laughs) drove to san antonio picked me up and never went back to school <laughs> oh my goodness so, um so i was adopted when i was seven days old um okay. so and then moved to uh dallas oh i love that and i lived there till i was three so i don't have very many memories of that either right. um but i think that that is You know, people always talk about pivotal moments in their life. And I think that that is really one of those moments that changed the trajectory of where I was headed. Um, I have since met my birth father, my birth mother, and I have a brother from those same parents. And um, I know that my life would have been drastically different just having been raised in a different environment with different influences. I'm not going to say whether it would have been better or have been worse because I don't know, but it right. has definitely, I think that was sort of the initial impetus to get me on the path um, that I am today. Right. Um, I would say the next sort of major milestone <laughs> along my path was when I was 12 years old, my dad brought home this hunk of a computer mm-hmm. it was an ibm pc jr yeah and he plopped it on the kitchen table and he said this is the future learn it right. <laughs> and he handed me a couple of books about pcs and um learning how to code in basic yep. um, anybody i'm showing my age now right, <laughs> right? um before nintendo um and so you know I, I learned how to work it I learned how to program it and he said great now we're going to take it apart and put it back together. Awesome. So, so and he didn't know any of this stuff either you know he's learning it. My dad is awesome. My dad is awesome. Um he ha- he's really been inspirational in a lot of ways and some of those ways have very much been blockades. No, you know, no, you're not going to do this, right? Um, you know, I remember when I was in high school. I really wanted to buy a car. I had a job, you know, and I, I, I gave him this whole business presentation
0: yeah.
1: as to how I could afford this car, and he said, "You're not buying a car. Wow. It, it's a bad idea." And, and of course, he was right. <laughs> you know, I didn't need to buy a brand new car when I was 16. I got one handed down from my grandfather. It worked great. Got me from place A to place B. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's really been instrumental in teaching me things along the way that really have just sort of sunk in. He's very much a businessman. And, you know, if there was ever anything that we wanted, we needed to have a non-emotional approach. We needed to present the facts. We needed to be very organized about it. And that really has helped me as a business owner. Oh, sure. You know, and, and, you know, I don't know whether he did that because that's just his personality um, or because he's a man or because he was, you know, preparing us for the future, but my sister a combination great too. <laughs> so oh, probably, probably a combination. combination. Um, but yeah, I mean, high school was pretty uneventful as in the drama team was in the choir. You know, I did, I did all of the things. Um, If you look back at, I, I have this book um, that I managed to somehow fill out every year from kindergarten through 12th grade. It was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, all of these sorts of things. And consistently I wanted to be an artist. Um, I have no talent for art (laughs) i have (laughs) i have zero talent for i cannot draw i cannot paint i cannot do any of those things um but i did discover that i have a talent for words right which is an art in and of itself um and then and then it switched over to i wanted to be a veterinarian um which i did not do (laughs) so um but but that will come into play again sort of later in life um But I went to the University of Oklahoma and I started off studying management information systems um, because dad said, um, you know, you're a business person. I know you wanted to major in drama or, you know, some something Mm -hmm. that really is not going to get you a job, but you really have a good head for business. You need to go into business. I really like computers. So I did MIS. Okay. Um, My senior year. First semester, senior year, I'm sitting in the hallway of the business building and I'm working on my English homework because that was my minor and getting ready for systems class, which had made me cry more than once. Wow. You know, I felt like the the dumbest person in class. You know, I felt like I should I should be able to get this. I should understand it. This is, this is my area of study. And this woman who was a good 20 years older than me um, walked up to me and she said, I'm not trying to disturb you or anything. I just want to make an observation, take it for what you will or leave it. I don't care. But you look very happy when you're working on your homework from the class before this and you look really unhappy in class and after. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Just take it for what it is. Right. So I called my dad two days later and I was like, I know it's first semester, my senior year, but I'm going to change my major to English. (laughs) So from that point, you know, that was that was so stressful. I felt like I was disappointing my dad. I felt like I was letting him down that I, you know, I just I couldn't make this work. But the more I thought about what she said, the more I realized I that's not what I wanted to do with my life. I did not want to sit behind a computer screen and plan out computer systems. I would be miserable.
0: So how so did that I, conversation go? Was that rough?
1: Um I kind of just said I'm doing this. <laughs> um and and dad just kind of went, "Do you have a plan?" <laughs> And of course, I'd already worked out the plan at that point, because I knew that that would be the question.
0: Yeah, you'd better come to that conversation. right. You've learned that over the years. I've
1: learned that. So, (laughs) you know, and and at the end of the day, my dad is a big teddy bear. He's a big softy. And so he said, "Okay, you know, um, if that's what you want, we'll support you. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And so he wants you to be well, happy. Yeah, he you at know, the end of the day want he wants me to be happy. Yeah. but he knows my potential. Yeah, and so he's always pushed me a little bit more than I was comfortable with, but I I think that's what's led to my success.
0: So did you know that the University of Oklahoma is my favorite place on the planet?
1: Boomer Sooner.
0: <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the biggest. I'm the biggest Sooner fan you've ever met in your life. When I was this tall. Me and my friends all wanted to play for Barry Switzer. I, I was born in pocket city and I grew up in pocket really? city and Barry Switzer was a football God back then in Oklahoma. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm the, one of the biggest Sooner fans you ever met in your life. So I am so excited to to have to find out that you went to Oklahoma.
1: So, I met Barry Switzer.
0: That, did you really? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, tell yeah. him I said hi. Will you? So, um, <laughs> So let me let me just ask you a couple of questions if I could. Okay. So where so you lived in Dallas and then you moved?
1: Yeah, where my family move moved. My family moved to Tulsa when I was three.
0: Okay. So you grew up in Tulsa? In
1: Oklahoma. So I grew up in Tulsa.
0: What was your favorite thing about growing up in Tulsa?
1: My friends.
0: Okay.
1: I I really met some great people and we did some crazy things. Um, not crazy in a bad way, um, but crazy in a um, we're all creative people trying to find our way in the world. Yeah. Um, type of way. Um,
0: that sounds so, like fun to me.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> most of those people are are still my friends. I'm I'm still uh, connected with them, and in fact, um, the girl, one of the girls who's been my best friend since sixth grade, uh, she works with me today. Oh, so. Nice. So, but yeah, we would do stuff like, you know, go to the park and, and swing on the swings and sing at the top of our lungs. Or, you know, we would, uh, we designed a bookstore slash cafe um, in high school that was our retirement plan. You know, we, we would, you know, we would go skateboarding. We would, we would do these kind of just crazy Things where we were exploring our creativity, and we were really trying to. All of us were very creative people, Um, and we were really kind of trying to figure out where we fit in the grand scheme of a non-neurodivergent world. But we didn't have those terms, you know, in the in the early nineties. Right,
0: Uh, I'm with you. (laughs) So let me ask you this: in high school, I think we already know the answer, but in high school. What was your favorite subject? English. Yeah. English. Drama um, was a big one too, right? It sounded like.
1: Yeah, drama was really big. Um, I took drama a lot. I did debate. Um, I had a heck of a fun time um, doing debate. Um, in high school, you could generally find me at the drama and debate tournaments, yeah. uh, running the spades table. Yeah.
0: yeah, I was the captain of the debate team my <laughs> junior and senior year in high school out here. So, um, so let me ask you this. So growing up, I think I already know the answer, but growing up, who was the most influential person in your life?
1: It, It would have to be my parents. Yeah. I mean, you know, my dad was very influential when it comes to the business side of things, but my mom was also very influential as well. You know, at a time when people were really having two parent households that worked. Mm -hmm. My mom did her absolute best to stay home with us and raise us. And really, um, you know, she was very good about letting us explore our creative outlets. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we, when my sister and I cleaned out our closets to start a book club and dumped everything out you know, so that we could set up a book club in there. You know, her response was never, oh my gosh, you made a huge mess. You know, it was more like, oh, that sounds like fun. What book are you reading? You know, she always read to us. She always took us to the library and story times. And, you know, she was really influential, I think, in developing my love of reading. She came from a long line of teachers. And so, you know, I, I, I think that her influence in, in constantly reading to us um, and constantly making sure that we had access to things that um, expanded our minds, um, I think was hugely influential as well, as far as my creative side. So I think the combination of those two people is kind of what made me this, I can walk on the left side and right side of my brains equally type of person.
0: I love that. So you graduate from the University of Oklahoma, Boomer Sooner, right? Yep. Then what happens?
1: Um, then I get a job at a tuxedo place. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so with an English degree. With an English degree. So okay. um, I was supposed to be getting a management position. Anyway, you know, a tuxedo rental place. Yeah, and I was very good at it. Yeah. Um, But I found out very quickly I did not like it. And so I literally, one day after work, drove over to the University of Central Oklahoma Mm -hmm. um, because OU had already finished, uh, their application time was already over. So I walked my transcript and portfolio over to the University of Central Oklahoma, made an appointment, waited for the Dean of the College of English and enrolled myself in their master's program. Wow, (laughs) So
0: that's so awesome.
1: So I said, you know, if if I want to be sort of beyond this, I really need to explore the full capabilities of what I can do with an English degree. Mm-hmm. And everybody kept telling me, you can't do a whole lot with it. You can't do a whole a lot with it. And uh, my personality is such as that if you tell me that I can't do something. I'm doing it. That's exactly what I'm right. doing.
0: Watch <laughs> me run through that wall, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. watch me do it. So Might uh, be
0: an Oklahoma thing.
1: Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. A stubbornness thing. Um, I love it. So I started at um University of Central Oklahoma majoring in creative writing. Mm-hmm. So um fun fact, uh I did continue to work at the tuxedo store for a while while I was doing my masters. And then um a little bit later, probably my second year, I realized I can't keep working that much Mm -hmm. so i started delivering singing telegrams
0: (laughs) Ooh, i love it
1: so um i had a friend did you dress up in costume at all yes oh there you go i did (laughs) want to (laughs) share i did manage
0: that voice
1: um i don't know (laughs) i don't like i have no idea
0: you just Um, channeled your inner man Thank yeah. You. Okay. Okay. My <laughs>
1: hair was a lot. I mean, I mostly it was like lip syncing for this. Oh, okay. But my hair used to be a lot longer and black. And I my friend worked for this guy that was a florist and he said, Hey, he needs someone to deliver singing telegrams. The first thing that pops into my head is the movie Clue. Right. right? And I'm like, Oh, yeah, that sure that sounds safe. Right. Um, so I walked over there and that was the first thing he said to me. He said, I've got a share gig and you're perfect. Wow. So that was the first one I did. Um I did one in a gorilla suit with yeah. a tutu. So it was very cabaret. Um <laughs> but bringing that whole like theater thing back into play, but yeah. it was great cuz I could, you know, I could just work a yeah. couple of days a week and make what I was making at the tuxedo place and right. uh, mostly car dealerships and businesses and stuff like that. That's so really So yeah, that was that was interesting but yeah then i um i got up to where i was doing my thesis which was all poetry mm-hmm. uh, so that was my main focus was poetry and um i was defending my master's seat thesis and none of the i had applied to be a ta mm-hmm. um at uco and i was the youngest by far in the group And then there was another person who was the oldest and neither of us got accepted, but everyone else did. Oh, wow. So, you know, I had thought, well, maybe I'll teach. And then that made me think, well, maybe I won't, if they won't accept me to be a TA. So the singing telegrams, Um, when I was defending my master's thesis, none of the faculty that was in there was faculty that I had had except for my advisor. So terribly nerve wracking. I defended my thesis. You know, they asked me to leave the room and um, then they came back out and got me. And um, the guy who had not accepted me as a TA was on the committee. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm I'm sitting out there just pacing, stressing, right? I would be, yeah. And he comes back in, he said, congratulations, you graduated, you have your master's degree and I would like to offer you a job can you start Monday? You're kidding me. <laughs> no. You so, can't make
0: this stuff up. Man. No, I cool. cannot
1: make this stuff up. So I had actually, so was, it
0: a, was it a job doing something other than singing telegrams?
1: Yes. This okay. was teaching at I'm UCO. Just kidding. I'm yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So I had actually, with the timing of my degree, since I had started late, because yeah. I had decidedly to start my master's i didn't graduate in may with the rest of that class i graduated in august right so the next semester started two weeks after that oh wow And they had an available teaching spot for freshman english wow. and he was like here's here's everything this was a friday right he was, here's everything your syllabus needs to be turned in on monday
0: go to work, <laughs> go to work. <laughs> so you start the coffee pot right
1: yeah so
0: and basically don't sleep for three days
1: (laughs) exactly exactly so um I started that semester teaching at UCO and then I expanded and I taught at several other um colleges in the Oklahoma City area because as an adjunct you don't get a full-time job you just travel around so I traveled around with several other people that were sort of making the rounds. And, um, I taught college for 11 years. Wow.
0: 11 years
1: for 11 years. Yep. Um,
0: and all that 11 years adjunct,
1: all that 11 years adjunct. Yes. So I started teaching college when I was 22 years old. So Mm. in English, the we always joke that someone has to die before you get a full-time position (laughs) so that's that's the way it was and I taught online and I taught um in the regular classroom Mm -hmm. um I started teaching blogging in um 2002 wow so we we switched from teaching journaling to teaching blogging which comes into play later in life Um, we taught on second life which it still exists but it was like your first like vr world created a character um so that was really fun i helped develop courses i you know i did all sorts so i thought i would be there forever Mm -hmm. um and then my son was born Oh, so that kind of changed life a little bit. Um, And I decided that I was living in Oklahoma City and um, we'll just kind of leave most of this out of the discussion, but my marriage was not going very well. (laughs) Um, And so I decided that I wanted to move back to Tulsa to be Mm -hmm. close to my parents um when and if my marriage fell apart I'm right. I'm all plan b right, right? um the marriage fell apart
0: I'm sorry
1: um but yeah no it's it's totally fine it needed to fall apart yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah my son was born and I moved back to Tulsa and there's just not the same opportunities for teaching in Tulsa that there are in Oklahoma City.
0: Tulsa is not as big uh, as Oklahoma City.
1: It, it's not, and there's there's not as many colleges. And um, Tulsa University requires that you have a PhD. I'm sorry, my dogs are. We'll, we'll talk about the dogs in a minute when we get to back to the veterinary animal <laughs> part. But they think it's fun to uh, wrestle behind me when I'm yeah. talking. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So um, by the time that my, my marriage fell apart, I had two boys mm-hmm. um, and they were four, four and two. So we sort of struck out on our own. And by that time I had found another position. I had still been teaching mostly just online, but it wasn't enough to be a single mother. Right. Um, so then I switched over to journalism. OK, so I found a job as the web content editor for a group of newspapers in Tulsa, and it fit right in with my skill set. I would yeah. be writing, uh, managing the websites, you know, things like that. So I switched over into doing that. Wow. And um, that was super fun. I got to travel to all of the newspapers. Nice. I was doing a lot of training for how to use their systems, um, putting systems together. Nice. Does this sound familiar, stuff? Yeah. But where, where in, were the
0: where were the newspapers?
1: Um, it was the Skytube Journal, the Collinsville. I don't remember what it was called now. Collinsville, Tulsa, Bixby, Broken Arrow, Jinx. So um, kind of all around the Tulsa of, area yeah, I got kind you. of all around the whole Tulsa metro area yeah um and so that was really really fun I got to work with a great team of people and um you know as time went on these community papers started closing down yeah. and little by little and they were consolidating and then my company got bought yeah and that was fine they kept the, mm-hmm. they kept my whole department on and then later on they got bought again yeah. um and they dissolved my department yeah. well the um at that time again this is stuff you can't make up right at the time the the main editor knew that i had moved to SkyTube, which is where mm-hmm. i live now um uh with my now husband who's amazing and fantastic Um, But I had moved to SkyTube and he came to my office, got down on his hands and knees and begged me to take the editor position of the SkyTube journal.
0: (laughs) Wow, that doesn't (laughs) happen every day.
1: No, it does not happen every day, but I had already been working in that office because I had moved to SkyTube and they had lost their secretary and they needed some help. So I was going in, filling in, answering the phones, You know, this and that. And they said, you know, as we're doing this transition, we want to transition away from the guy that's been doing it and and put you in place. Can you start Monday? Oh, my gosh. Here we go again, right? Yeah, here we go again. It was actually, you know, can you start later today? Right. So, um, So I became the editor of the SkyTube Journal, and I did that for 10 years. Wow. So that was, it was wonderful. Um, I had so much fun doing it. And that's when I really realized that, you know, I really enjoyed teaching other people how to tell their own stories, Mm -hmm. teaching them how to write. And then I got to do that. And I got to tell people stories. And that's really kind of what made me realize what my trajectory would be after that um because i i loved going to you know the high school games and following these kids and their their high school careers and you know we had a couple of um wrestling kids who made state all four years um, and won their division in state all four years so you know it's really fun to follow these stories kind of like you were talking about following some of your guests Mm -hmm. and just talking to people you know, around the community, um, telling those stories, whether they were uplifting or heartbreaking or, um, you know, just really those, those hard-hitting investigative stories, which in a small town of 8,000, there's not that many, um, but there were, you know, a couple. Right. Um, and And it was just, it was really fun to get to kind of know the people and, you know, to go to Walmart and have somebody come up to you and be like, Oh, Hey, I read your story. Or did you hear about <laughs> this thing? Mm-hmm. So I did that up until a few years ago and my position was eliminated. Oh my gosh. Cause community newspapers. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, because I am the queen of plan B. Mm-hmm. Thanks I to your already... dad. Yeah. Thanks to my dad. I had already started the writing detective because I kind of saw the writing on the wall and um, you know, I, I had planned to go down with the ship as it will until the paper closed. I wasn't quite given that opportunity. It's still functioning, but it's run by a bigger town.
0: Gotcha.
1: Um, But I had already started the writing detective because I thought, you know, over my crazy life, I've learned all these different skills. Mm-hmm. How can I put those into play so that I don't have to try to find something else, pivot? How can I use the skills that I've learned and do something that I want to do? Right. You know, do something that I'm passionate about versus something that someone else is passionate about. Exactly. So the writing detective started, and I started with just writing press releases um, for people and writing blogs. Um, you know, I had taught blogging for so long. I blogged for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I became very interested in SEO and all of the things that go into creating websites. I learned how to design websites. Um, better than I had been, you know, I've made some of my own blogs and some blogs for other people, but I really kind of dove headfirst into taking bits of knowledge that I had and expanding those. Um, So now I can offer a really wide variety of things. Mm -hmm. And the number of hats that I wear is a little bit ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So
0: you're wearing so many hats you have next strain. Yes. That might make <laughs> you an entrepreneur.
1: Yes. So, <laughs> um, you know, and we had tried, we had tried a lot of different things, um, in the past, you know, I had tried blogging in the past. Um, but I really kind of burnt out on it because I hadn't really found the right direction. Right. Um, I've published some poetry, um, but poetry is very, very competitive and there's no money in it. Mm -hmm. So while I was a single parent, that kind of fell to the wayside, that sort of creative aspect. Um, My husband and I, we um, bred ball pythons and geckos for a while in our living room. So that was, that was really fun. But let me tell you, it's a lot more work than you think that it is so we yeah so we ended up selling them and i've always been kind of that entrepreneur at heart i've always tried to start you know i tried to sell like jewelry and makeup and you know different things throughout the years um but i'm an introvert (laughs) so sales not really my thing Um, so i didn't really succeed at any of those sort of entrepreneurship But with the writing detective, I was determined, absolutely determined. So I took two things that I love intensely, Mm. which is writing and Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) And I smooshed them together, came up with the writing detective, because I think with like with my background in journalism and asking questions and digging deep and and finding things out and, and knowing how to get people to talk about, you know, what they're doing and the way that they think about things, detective seemed apt.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: so that's where that name came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I do press releases, public relations, blog writing, article writing, website, copy website design, um, ghost writing, SEO media management SEO yeah basically kind of if you need it and it's written in some way i can figure it out or i've done it
0: i love it
1: <laughs> so love it. I've written a few books um got a few more on schedule coming up um i've worked with you know everyone from ceos to um stanley cup winning nhl players so it's been it's been a crazy ride yeah um and then in addition to the riding detective right (laughs) because if that wasn't enough of course not of course course not not.
0: there were more hats to wear come on now yeah
1: there are more hats to wear um i also started blogging again Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: we now we live on a little farm Mm -hmm. And we have ducks and chickens and geese and guineas and five dogs and a saltwater fish tank. (laughs) So the veterinarian thing, the love of animals has continued to bleed over into my life. So I also started a blog slash business with my husband now. Um, Ryan is wonderful, fantastic. He's everything that you could ask for in a partner. And he has an amazing beard, which you need for farming. It's It's a requirement, I've been told. Um, But so we started the Waddle and Cluck. And um, it sounds like an old English pub for birds. It It does, actually, yeah. (laughs) Um, So the Waddle and Cluck is the name of our little farm. And then I also have a website where um, I write about gardening and homesteading. And I have recipes and talk about how to can things and how to make bread and you know, just kind of all of the the things that you would expect from homesteading,
0: right. and
1: um, it's really taken off.
0: That's cool.
1: And then um, we sell our eggs at um, in Collinsville, Oklahoma, at a little place called the Farm Hippie Farmers Market.
0: There you go.
1: It's like a it's like a farmers market, but it's a grocery store. So they're they have an actual like indoor shop. Oh okay. So we sell our eggs there. And then if you, you know, if you were to walk outside right now, you'd hear all the roosters crowing and all that kind of stuff. So part of my day every day is spent tending to the birds.
0: That's cool.
1: And <laughs> if that wasn't enough, <laughs> um, I also started it, it's it's still pretty new. It's still growing. But I started um, another blog called A Pen and a Page. Okay. And what I really want to do there is I really want to I'm um, kind of go back to my teaching roots and mm-hmm. really focus on teaching people how to write um, mm-hmm. how to do publishing how you know from from blogging to short stories to novels to poetry I've done it all mm-hmm. and I you know, I know how to do it all because I've taught it all as well. Mm -hmm. So how can I impart that in little bits and pieces and, you know, give people some of that stuff that you normally have to go to college and and pay to get professor information from. So, you know, hopefully I will eventually expand that to grow out to where I can do some like one-on-ones and give feedback and things like that. Um, I do offer poetry feedback on Fiverr. Um, So I would love to kind of translate that to, you know, hey, and and developmental editing, but, you know, I can can help you to improve what you're working on or help talk through plots or, you know, holes in your world building or, you know, whatever it is that you need sort of bring back my passion for teaching in a different realm. Um, So that's where that's growing. Mm -hmm. And then... (laughs) Wow. <laughs> um I I did a beauty YouTube channel for many, many years. Okay. And I really enjoyed doing it, but I just kind of it it just kind of fizzled out for me. Okay. It started to feel like work yeah. um, instead of fun. And I was never really one in the beauty community, it's really hard because I love makeup. Mm-hmm. But I can't keep up with the Joneses as far as buying every new launch that comes out. And right, it's expensive. It's, yeah, it's expensive. So that kind of just fizzled out for me and I, I quit doing it. But um, my friend Laura and I are working together on puckerupbeauty.com, um, which is another blog. And we are writing about all things beauty, fitness, um, you know, how to balance work and life as, you know, a woman or as a man, you know, just kind of general life tips, um, interviewing some experts along the way. So, yeah, I I have my hands full, um, but I spend my day doing what I love. Which you might need a couple Friday. more hands, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My kids had a book when we were younger called Mom Has Six Hands or Mom Has Twelve Hands or something like that. Yeah. I think about that. Yeah, yeah, I need a few more.
0: And um, eyes in the back of her head.
1: <laughs> yeah. But you know, my kids are older now. We are a family of six. Wow. I have my two boys, um, one of whom is now attending TU and studying music. Wow. Um, and then my youngest is getting ready to start his own blog. Wow,
0: that's so, <laughs> so cool.
1: And then my husband has two kids um, who are thirteen and sixteen, and the minor are sixteen and eighteen. Oh, so wow. we're not really in the the thick of parenting at this point. Um, you know, we're kind of more in the thick of
0: transitioning
1: right. to to young adulthood, adulthood. Right. Um, so it, you know, it, it allows for a little bit more time in life, and. You know, every my whole family is just so supportive. Yeah. You know, they're really behind me every step of the way, um, and my husband especially. You know, if I come up with some crazy, harebrained idea and I'm like, "This, this is what I want to do," he's like, "Well, if anyone can figure it out, you can." Yeah, <laughs> you I agree with
0: that. So, given your track record, I'd I agree with that.
1: So, you know, I think, you know, as far as going back to your listeners, like, what have I learned through Mm -hmm. this crazy art of a life? And I was really thinking about this before we sat down to talk. And I think that my main advice for people is to be flexible Mm -hmm. because you never really know what's going to come your way. And if, if I look back at my story, I've been presented with opportunities that I just jumped on. Right. And I was prepared, you know. I I jumped on them because I was flexible enough to do so. Right. And there are opportunities that I jumped on that seemed a little crazy. They didn't all work out, mm-hmm. you know. But the ability to transition into something and the ability to transition out of something when it's not working, mm-hmm. I think is is really important. Yeah. Um, but that that flexibility allows you to make better decisions, I think. Um, and then I would also say, you know, always be thinking about what your next opportunity is mm-hmm. if you're an entrepreneur, because things are always going to change. Yeah. You know, they're always going to shift and transition And the writing detective, even in just, you know, the few years that I've been running it has grown and evolved and changed and you know we had ai come in which took away a lot of writing jobs because people said oh i can you know i'll just get ai to do that Mm -hmm. um and so then you you have to think well what other skills do i have Mm -hmm. so you know always be looking at the things that you enjoy doing Mm -hmm. the things that you can do well And how can you take those tidbits of information and learn more?
0: Yeah. So one of the things that you see with people that are successful is their ability to pivot. Mm -hmm. That's what you're talking about is is being mindful of what the next opportunity is, but also being flexible to where something pops up, you can jump on it, right? Yeah, And You never know where your next opportunity is going to come from. And I know you're an introvert and all that or self-proclaimed introvert, right? (laughs) But you, you know, you literally, you have to put yourself out there and you have, I mean, that's how you and I met, right? You right. put yourself out there and we have clients of yours coming on the podcast mm-hmm. and I'm super excited to meet them and I'm super excited to get their story on tape, you know, on our, yeah, our... you
1: give me a keyboard and I'm the bravest person in the world, right? <laughs> but you get me in person or, right.
0: well, you know, you find your, you find your channel, right?
1: Yeah. And, and
0: I, I meet people every day that are really honest to goodness, they're introverts, and they're professional public speakers,
1: Mm -hmm. right, right, they don't
0: say anything to anybody, but when they get on stage, they flip a switch,
1: right, and they do that, when I was teaching, exactly, the reason they
0: do that is because you care more about your audience than you do about yourself, right, and Mm -hmm. you are there to add value, you're there to help them take the next step to to take the next leap of faith, so to speak. Right. Yeah. You know, you're, you're a living example. Your life story is a living example of getting outside of your comfort zone. Oh, yes. Also have, you also have these patterns all the way through your life story that are due to your dad. Mm -hmm. You're constantly, you constantly have a plan, right. And credit Mm -hmm. to your mom you're constantly creative so you're constantly creative you got like the best of all worlds and you've got a plan and you're constantly thinking about the next opportunity right that comes from your dad
1: yeah it comes from it comes from both of them yeah. and you know really just applying the things that i learned when i was young and yeah. then learning how to apply those as me yeah. learning how to do those things as me and, you know, I will say one other thing, though, about taking your passions and turning them into profits. Mm-hmm. Um, That is not always going to be the case. Yeah. Um, I would caution you that, you know, like there are things that I love to do that I would never try to monetize because it would take away the enjoyment yeah. of that,
0: yeah.
1: um, you know, Um, I've had a lot of people ask me to start a book club Mm -hmm. and like, you know, I would love to do that, but it can't be like this. We have to read a book a month Mm -hmm. thing. You know, it can't be something where I feel this intense pressure to get great lectures out on a, you know, Don Quixote, Mm -hmm. you know, in a month. I really enjoy reading, and I want to keep that as something that is relaxing and enjoyable to me. Yeah. Um. So you know, if I am going to monetize it, or I am going to do like a member book club or something like that, you really need to think about how you're going to pace that so you don't lose the passion for it. Um, You know, I love cross stitching. I'm never going to monetize that. Right. You know, it's. It's a way to calm my brain down to see the patterns and, and all that kind of stuff. But I will never monetize that because that's my end of the day relaxation. Yeah. Sorry yeah. yeah. So for entrepreneurs, I think it is also really important as you're learning to pivot, as you're looking for the next opportunity, you need to have joys and passions that are yours alone.
0: Yeah
1: um, that, that you're not trying to monetize. I'm not saying don't share them, you know, post on social media or write a blog about it or whatever, but, um, don't try to monetize those things that give you peace. Um, because then you won't have, you won't have that base level to go back to. And I think that's what results. I mean, I, I wear all these different hats, right. Mm. But I know when to walk away. Yeah. And it's taken me years and years and years to learn. And I still mess it up. <laughs> you yeah. know, but there's times where you're working on something, you just have to say, I it is, I need some me time. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to go read a book or mm-hmm. get my nails done or go, go for and, a walk or, or look like at the that. dollar spot at Target or right. go for a walk or workout right. or you know, whatever. You need to have those those touch point things that bring you back down to you, the person, not you, the entrepreneur, Um, because that's how you will end up burning yourself out by trying to do too much.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. That's really sage advice, really sage advice. And I hope everybody's taking note of it because it's, it's, you know, you, life is so many different facets and there has to be a facet where you have a release. And it could be, you know, it could be running. It could be walking. It could be, you know, it could be anything, right? Could, for you, it's cross-stitch, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it could be anything, but it has to be something that's yours and it's where you go to reset. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to have that. I totally yeah. agree.
1: Everybody's got to have that. And, you know, napping is not <laughs> the, napping is not the answer because yeah. you can't just work and sleep. You know, you have to have that touch point thing that that grounds you back into who you are. Um, You know, I also keep a daily journal Mm -hmm. and, you know, in that daily journal, I have two sections. I have a small section where I can gripe and complain about my day Mm -hmm. and kind of just get it out And then the rest of it is just for whatever I want. You know, am I trying to work out a problem? Am I writing down a memory from, you know, hanging out with my kid at college? You know, am I make, you know, but I cannot make to-do lists. I can't you know, plan. It's, it's just a space to kind of work out those thoughts and ideas. And even if you're not a writer, journaling is a great technique for people. You don't have to be good at it. You know, nobody ever has to see it, but sometimes having a place to, to vent and figure things out while connecting your left and your right brain which is what happens when you put pen to paper like actual physical paper can be a real great assistance well it's
0: like taking notes right when you sit in a class and you take notes we know from from research that you retain more Mm -hmm. journaling isn't any more than taking the lessons that you've learned and memorial and memorializing them right putting Mm -hmm. them down on paper And that in and of itself helps people work through what it was they learned and what the next step is and what their plan needs to be and all those types of things. That's all a very cathartic experience. You don't have to be a a professional writer to do it. You just write it down, right? And you say, you know, today I learned that if I treat people this way or whatever it might be, right, it's something that that's, that journal is your book of wisdom. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. It It absolutely is. is. You can always go back and look at it. Yeah, and I keep mine and I make an index in the front of kind of what's on every page. But, you know, I was talking to somebody who is an entrepreneur um, just last week and they were extraordinarily stressed. And I said, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you should try, you know, journaling out some of your thoughts and maybe that will help organize this next step plan that you're working on. And she said, well, you know, I don't even know I wouldn't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. Here's a fun trick. Just start. Yeah. Start. I used to tell this to my freshman English students too. take out a piece of paper, one that you don't care about, not in a journal, not anything. If you can't think of anything to write, write down. I can't think of anything to write Mm -hmm. until your brain gets so bored that you will start writing other things. Yeah. And I guarantee you, you won't write it more than three or five times. Yeah, it's and true. That, yeah. And that will segue you into it. And, you know, everyone that I've taught journaling techniques to the CEOs, the, you know, the CFOs, everybody in higher ups, it is just so stressed out that I've taught journaling techniques to they say, this is a game changer. hmm. Because I'm I'm organizing my thoughts. I'm 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 figuring out what my plan B is. I'm figuring out the next steps. I'm learning how to pivot, and I'm also carving time out for myself every day to re-ground myself in what is real versus what is dreams and goals.
0: Yeah, and it comes down to what you're going to retain, right? There are so many things about journaling that are positives, and one of them in particular is. When you're really busy and you have 97 hats you're wearing like you do, you can journal what you learned that day and you can journal what you did that day and what you accomplished that day. And then your mind can then relax. You can actually go to sleep at night. A lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of executives and a lot of people that are super busy and super excited about what they're doing, like me, have a tough time getting their brain to shut off. Right. When we lay down, we're thinking about all the things that we didn't do or all the things that we needed to write. And I'm notorious for laying down and getting up five minutes later and going and returning an email or, you know, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'll lay down and go, oh, on it. Right. And then I'm back up. I'm I got my clothes back on and I'm back down to my office and I'm I'm back at it again. Right. And usually that takes another couple of hours, which is time that I should have been sleeping right Mm -hmm. and rest is a big deal it's a it's a big deal in terms of your overall health so um yeah yeah, and you know it just (laughs) triggers and if you sit down and just start writing and i i guarantee you this is the case if you just sit down and just start like i'm writing a book right now right if you just sit down and start writing it just your brain kicks in and it goes back to controlling your brain versus your brain controlling you right there's a part of your brain that's literally designed to protect you and it will it will try and talk you out of doing anything even things that are ri- that are not risky it'll it'll teach you it'll try and talk you out of it and people like Tony Robbins and some of these other people David Goggins some of these people right they actually have come up with different things that they do to overcome that where Tony Robbins will get in a cold bath a cold plunge every day right after he wakes up And he does it because his brain's telling him not to, right? And he's teaching his brain, don't do that. Because when I say go, we're going, period, right?
1: Somebody has to control it
0: and you have to be the one that does
1: it. Yep. And I have a similar trick that I use. Um, It's based on music theory. Mm -hmm. And... um, And brainwave patterns. So, you know how people um, with Alzheimer's, they can, if they hear a certain piece of music, they can remember it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a very famous video of a woman, and she was, she's 98 years old, and she Mm -hmm. used to be a ballerina. And they played Swan Lake for her, and she started going through the movements. Mm -hmm. Um, Music is very, very powerful to human beings and so um last year I started whenever I needed to get into the zone and Mm -hmm. write I started turning on blues music Mm -hmm. and I I have it at a vault you know very low volume but now if I get stuck on something and I'm having trouble writing Mm -hmm. I can turn on blues music and my brain starts going through the motions because I trained it to do that yeah some people do this with Mm lo-fi um you know all different sorts of things um
0: so we had a music healer on we had a music healer on and she literally uses tones like certain keys she uses certain keys to help people heal and to help them get into certain places mentally and emotionally that they need to get into and i the way i the way i describe it to people is When I was growing up, I was born in 1966 and I grew up in Oklahoma. My mother played popular music, soft rock, all the time, all the time. So when I listen to 60s popular rock, like top hits, you know, of of the 60s and 70s, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. I go back to when I was a child and my blood pressure drops, my (laughs) energy level changes, I perk up, it's a, it's a. It's a complete. It's like a. It's like a recorded response that recorded in me all those years ago, right? And this is a long time. I'm 57. This is a long time ago. But I instantly turn into a kid. Okay, mm-hmm. I grew up on a farm in Oklahoma. I farmed for nine years with my grandfather, right in between Blackwell and Ponca City, Oklahoma. And I That's used to exactly ride around it. and around and around the field with a radio, with headset, with a headset on. And I listen to the popular country music of that time to this day, when you plug that country music in and, and I hear it, I turn into that kid on a farm in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. It's a different place, right? It's a place in my brain that just opens up. Music can be transformative. It can be therapeutic. It can be, tra- it's transformative and if you don't think so, go back to a favorite time in your life and listen to music from that time that you listened to back then.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. And, you know, those those things help me stay on when I need to be on. But then you need those things to be off yeah. because you, you, you can't be on all the time. I don't it's care great. which productivity guru that you listen to that's like, yeah. oh, no, if you're if you're in the bathroom, you can learn on your phone, you know. Right. Take some downtime. Right. Turn off.
0: Yeah, you know? turn off because when you turn on and you're learning, you'll be more effective, right? I'm if you never stop learning and you never turn off, you're going to burn out. It's that simple. Can I ask you a real quick question? Yeah. Just because curiosity killed the cat and I'm probably the cat. <laughs> Why, <laughs> the blues? Cats have cat lives. Why blues?
1: Why blues? Why blues? Um, because I'm I'm a rock girl at heart. Like I love rock music. I'm not yeah. really a big country music fan. Love the '80s music, mm-hmm. but rock. When I listen to like the stuff that I normally listen to for fun, you know, I'm trying to listen to, like Avenged Sevenfold or Ghost or you know something along those lines. It's too intense for writing, and I mm-hmm. just want to listen to the music. Mm-hmm. I tried listening to jazz music. I love jazz music. There's yeah. no words, right? I can't have the words when I'm playing, when I'm trying to make the words in my head. Sorry. <laughs> so I tried listening to jazz, but I found it too calming. Mm-hmm. Blues is my second favorite genre. There so I kind of naturally fell because blues is really kind of a, a conglomeration of both of those. Yeah. It puts me in a great mood. It energizes me just enough so that I'm moving at the right pace. And it doesn't make me too relaxed to where I just want to go sit down. And blues is just amazing. Yeah, It's just amazing.
0: Every time I listen to jazz, I want to drink champagne. (laughs) Because almost every jazz concert I've been to has been at a winery.
1: So they've had champagne yeah, yeah so I
0: basically programmed myself that I need to drink champagne while I'm while I'm listening to jazz I don't know it's, it's sick
1: yeah <laughs> well and I uh my husband and I love going to New Orleans that's where yeah. he proposed that's where we went on our honeymoon oh. and so I'm really curious now um you know we're planning to go back at some point when we can we we have a lot of animals that need to be taken care of at this right. point You know, I'm curious, since I've trained my brain to write with blues music, am I going to be, like, walking down the streets of the French Quarter and all of a sudden need to pull out a notebook? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
0: take your journal with you. (laughs) Your creative juices are going to start flowing, baby. (laughs)
1: Flowing, yeah. I mean, I always feel extra creative there, but, yeah, I may just have to plop down where I am and start writing.
0: I love it. Is there anything else you'd like to cover before we wrap up?
1: No, I mean, I think, I mean that's pretty much my life story. I love uh, it. The important lessons that I've learned. I
0: love Um,
1: it. I will leave you with one final lesson Mm -hmm. um, that's that I learned from my dad, Um, and he will probably kill me if he knows that I told anybody this. But um, it just kind of embodies a a life attitude, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um my dad used to we used to cook whole chickens. Okay. Right. And you have to clean them mm-hmm. in the sink. And my dad would always take the chicken and dance it around the kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, do he'd be like, do 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 and mm-hmm. we'd be like, Dad, why are you doing that?
0: Right, because he's a goofball.
1: Yeah. Well, a yeah. happy chicken is a tasty chicken. Right. And, you know. When I think back on that now, it's such a fond memory, Mm -hmm. but the attitude of joy Mm -hmm. in, you know, in being able to have fun, even when you're doing the normal sort of everyday things. Right. um, I think when you adjust your attitude, you adjust your life. Yeah. That's. Does that sound very Buddhist?
0: No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> I've been agree. reading
1: Siddhartha.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. It was a great lesson your dad taught you. You know, by doing right. One of the best things that parents can do is teach their children by doing, by watching them react, by watching them do what they do, right? So my children have seen me in 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 times of conflict where. I could have reacted any number of different ways. I'm, I have a temper, I'm a pretty intense guy, right? And they watched me deal with those situations, front row, front row center. And what they found was, I figured out a way to solve the problem instead of making it worse, right? I figured out a way to de-escalate it, I figured out a way to calm it down, I figured out a way to avoid conflict and resolve the conflict instead of, instead of fighting it, so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. And They're watching you, they're watching you. They're listening to you. They are absolute sponges. And if you don't think so, you've got teenagers everywhere. Okay. Those teenagers. And I told my kids this when they were growing up, they're now 23 and 25. I told them, I said, listen, you're going to become teenagers one of these days. And when you do, you're going to be challenging dad's values. And the only thing I can tell you is you'd better bring it and be prepared to lose because you're not going to win challenging me, period. And what was interesting about them growing up as a teenager was they already knew, they were already prepared. They knew that they weren't going to win. Okay. Now, did they still challenge my values? Yeah. But yeah, because
1: they're teenagers.
0: They never won, right? And both of my children now have come to me and said, dad, we can't thank you enough for how you raised us. Mm -hmm. Nothing means more to me than that.
1: Yeah, I just hope I'm doing a good job.
0: (laughs) You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job because you're showing them by example how to live life. It's awesome. And I'm super proud of you. And I'm so happy that we had this time together. I thoroughly enjoyed every second of this. And I cannot thank you enough for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience.
1: Well, I am very glad that you chose to have me.
0: I appreciate you. It was great meeting you.
1: It was great meeting you too.
0: Thanks again. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Lytton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program. And wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out callenlycom slash Rio760.